It's Friday evening, it's five o'clock, and that can only mean one thing. That's right, it is Friday Sport with myself, Aidan Rafferty, and I'll be with you for the next couple of hours. We'll have uh, plenty for you on the show. We'll uh, kick off the show with uh, Carb Oil, with uh, Carb RFC, where, uh, who uh, had a, a, sad, a tragic event there. Their uh, property was burnt down there uh, last Wednesday, so they're, they're having a fundraiser appeal. So uh, I'll be talking to uh, Chris Kiley about that, and uh, so you'll hear more about that, and if, if people want to help. Uh, we'll, we'll also have Camogie. We'll have uh, myself and Ray Lannan will be looking back at the, uh, at the Roscommon versus Kildare game and we'll be looking ahead to the Cork game tomorrow uh, down in Porky Cueve and we'll have also uh, Camogie and much, much more. So stay tuned for that. And uh, as always, we'd love to... We'd love to hear from you, so if you, if you want to say hello to anyone or you want to add something read out from a club point of view or club notes or anything like that, or you want to give wish someone a happy birthday even, uh, why not uh, send a text or a WhatsApp message to 0838599748. That, that, no, that number, once again, is 0838599748. And, of course, there's many different ways you can l- listen to us on the, on Ross FM. You can listen to us on the TuneIn app. You can listen to us on FM 94.6 on the radio or on the website www.rossofm.ie forward slash live and don't forget if you missed the show don't worry about it the uh, show is actually podcasted uh, on Monday and will be available on the website rossofm.ie or else uh, also on Spotify and uh, GA Sport our uh, GA View is also on every Thursday from uh, 10 o'clock until 11 and that's also available on Spotify so uh, plenty of plenty of uh, shows as well every day Monday to Friday from 9 to 7 uh, from 9 o'clock to 7 every every day Monday to Friday so why not support your local radio and don't forget as well there's the 50-50 draw the next draw is going to be on next week it's easy to enter all you have to do is uh, buy one envelope for 2 euro or 3 for a fiver or you can also end, uh, you can also enter online there's an online option there just uh Click on just go on to rossofm.ie and uh, you'll see the uh, you'll see the um, thing for that and go on there and it'll, it'll explain everything. So um, thanks very much to uh, Joe Bambrick for another great show and also to Louise there uh, another great show there uh, from three to four uh, Echoes of Aaron and she's uh, she's making her way down to Westport at the moment so we'd like to wish her a very uh, a safe journey. She is going to be doing the um, the inauguration of the O'Malley clan so uh, we, I'm sure she, she's been looking forward to that so uh, well done there and have a safe journey there Louise so uh, yeah so uh, like I was saying there John um, there was a tragic event there at Car Rugby Club there last Saturday um, I showed you the photos there yeah. that we had uh, terrible event um, but like I was talking to Chris uh, the secretary there and he was saying about like how all the great help and all the messages of uh, you know, help that he's getting as well. It's great to see, like you know, when when something bad like that happens, everyone everyone gathers round yeah. and helps. So uh, you know, there's a donation page. So um, that that interview is coming up. What are your thoughts on that? Clearly not good. Burning down a very new facility. Yeah, and they're a, they're they're a good they're a good club as well, aren't they? Yeah. In uh, Headford and Galway. They are. Very yeah. Good. Have you ever played against them yourself? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> They're a good club, so uh, look at uh, Chris was nice now there, and I enjoyed uh, interviewing him. So, uh, yeah, so that's coming up now after this. Hello, everyone, how you doing? And you're very welcome to uh, Carob RFC fundraising appeal with myself, Aidan Raftery, and of course, Secretary of the club has joined me at this, I uh, suppose, difficult time. Uh, Chris Kiley, Chris Kiley, hello, Chris, how are you? Are you well? 
Aidan, how are you doing? Uh, thanks, thanks, for, uh, thanks for having me. You're more than welcome. Look, at it's, uh, I know it's, it's only a small thing, but uh, compared to, I know you're going through an awful lot there uh, at uh, Carabar FC there, trying trying to get everything sorted out. Uh, we'll move on to, we, we'll mention about a bit about that later on. But I suppose just to give us a bit of background to, to the club and uh, I suppose to the members and the history of the club. Yeah, the uh, the club is the club is based in Headford there in uh, just on the Galway Mayo border really um in uh, County Galway. Uh we're we're in our forty second year of existence. Um it's a club that, that has was formed on the basis of um I suppose getting the getting the sport into the community and uh players from players Headford Headford players and people from the surround uh were playing with other clubs, you know, going back that time, but they decided to to, to come back to their home hometown and home area, and they set up Carabugby, Um where they started with with one team, but at the moment we have sixteen or seventeen teams from minis rugby up to uh, all juvenile grades covered, male and female, and then we have a, a senior two two senior teams, a development squad, and uh, a first team, and we have a. Uh, a women's team as well that was uh, that was uh, reformed last season. That's great, and a lot, a lot of work goes on behind the scenes. You know, to to uh, to set up a, a team from scratch, especially nowadays, is no easy task. I mean, there's insurance, um, sponsors, getting the community behind, raising money to to kind of, I suppose, build build dressing rooms and uh, get equipment and goalposts and. Of course, you know uh, property for 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 a pitch and things like that. Um, you know, so it does take the It does take, uh, I suppose, everyone in the community. A lot of people throughout the community to to kind of set this up, and a lot of work has been put in. And fair play to you, the committee people like yourselves and other people and the sponsors and everyone in the community. But um, you know, so so a lot was put in. But I suppose. In fairness, like like all local clubs in all uh, towns and villages around the country, um, the a rugby club gives back to the community as well as uh, com- the people in the community given to the club as well, which is uh, it, it's a great return for. Uh, I suppose you you you, um, you get back what you put in, isn't that it? Uh, absolutely. Look at the the, um, the 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 coaches, volunteers, parents. Uh, with a fantastic club there that that reaches out. Uh, you know, into several parishes in the in the surrounding area of Hedford. Um, you know, uh, there's between between uh, you know, fifteen mile radius is probably seven or eight parishes there across the border between Mayo and Galway that uh, that we we thrive on having their membership, uh, young and old, and ex members and all that. You know, that are coaches now and absolutely fantastic volunteers and parents within the club. Um, it's 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 a family family club in every way. Um, we're, we're there for each other in in many ways, you know, friendships and and outside in sport. And uh, so, looking out of that, I suppose while it's a devastating blow last weekend, it's amazing the the, the way that that um, that the community rallies around a sporting club like ourselves to to give us the support in every way uh, and across across the the full length and breadth of local clubs from you know GAA to soccer to uh, just a variety of sports and and different. Uh, organisations, it's just been incredible the support that they've, they've offered and, and put out there that they're available for anything. So it's just uh, we've great friends in other clubs, you know, in other sports and stuff like that. And thankfully, it's in times like this that uh, that, that 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 kind of comes to the fore, you know. 
That's it, and I suppose you know if that if that happened, you know, with another club, you'd be there for them. So it's great to see that uh, that 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 friendship and that 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 helpfulness as well. And of course, uh, you know, I suppose really, you know, going on to actually what happened, it was a devastating blow to everyone in the club and all that. But you'd wonder what goes on in people's minds, and you know, people that do this, what goes on in their minds and what happened. Um, you know, it, it happened last last Saturday, as you said, around five o'clock, between five and six o'clock. Uh, a, a horrendous thing to do. And, uh, you know, all the equipment, everything happened. It must have been so, so devastating for you as the secretary, but also all members of the, uh, all members of the club. Uh, look, at absolutely. I know, I know there's a title that goes with me as uh, secretary, but I'm a member of the club, the same as anybody else. I, you know, I'm not no no bigger or better than anybody there. Um, but, uh, look at just the, the the hard work that went in fundraising and collecting money over the years to to amalgamate gear and and you know provide facilities to for our, our increasing membership every year. And it's to have them facilities, you know, in a way that it makes the job easier for the coaches and the parents and everybody there. Um, look at it's it's. Um, but, you know, we're we're a progressive club. We were we were nominated for club of the Connacht club of the year this year, which was a, an accolade in itself. Um, and it, it, it the work rate and the and the uh, the honesty that's within the club there um, that won't leave us. And you know, we're we're strong. There's a strong spine to the club, and uh, that'll be there going forward as well. You know. That's it, and of course, you know, Corrib uh, or the uh, Connacht Rugby as well are are uh, a great part of rugby around the, around the province as well, and they, they do a lot to help clubs and all that. And uh, you know, I suppose the great thing about all the the clubs, the likes of yourselves, Craig's, and all that, is where where it all starts is the mini rugby. Those uh, five, six, seven year olds that pick up the ball for the first time. Uh, that's where it all starts, right up to the guys that are the guys and the men and women. Uh, at uh, adult level as well it, it's great to see and then like with all as you just said there with all the hard work that has been put over the year put in over the years uh, from the coaches and from uh, I suppose administrative level uh, supporters everything like that and for this uh, for this to happen on Saturday but uh, you know as you said yourself there there's ongoing investigations there and hopefully this person will be caught Yeah as I said that the, 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 there's there's um there's stuff that's been dealt with that's outside of the control of the club at the moment all we can do is really work to get ourselves back into a position come six seven weeks time to have the gates open for minis rugby and and our juvenile teams and our senior teams and that's important because without them we're not a club and at the heart of everything we're doing really is is a to make sure that we can keep that that job going and that's that's what we're that's what we're aiming to do and we will do it you know there's just fantastic support from as you mentioned there the Connacht branch um with our own club man there that's that's um uh, Park Moran who's the the uh the president at the moment within in, in Connacht rugby and we have great friends and great um great uh over the years we've great friends and great relationships with all the rugby clubs and the Connacht branch and their help and support is is vital you know that's it. And I suppose really uh, what happened, I, I only just saw it, saw it yesterday. Uh, someone put it up on the, it was on the AIL website as well. And uh, that's why I just wanted to, to reach out to kind of help uh, get this out. I know it's only a, a kind of a small thing, but, uh, you, you know, if it helps the reach of the appeal, we'll go on to that appeal uh, in, in a minute as well. You can tell us more about the, the fundraiser. Um, you know, as you said, you've get, gotten a lot of help from, uh, and um, I suppose a lot of messages of support from other, from, from a lot of people. And, uh, 
you know, it's it's great. And uh, even like I was talking to the manager of uh, Ross FM there this morning, and he had heard of it. And a lot of people that I've met that I've met over the last couple of days have heard of it, and uh, they were they were devastated as well. So as I say, we're all with, we're all with the club, and uh, hopefully everyone will everyone will be a pe- there'll be people out there that'll be able to kind of help in some way, or maybe even do- make a donation. And I suppose that brings us nicely on to I suppose the appeal, the fundraising appeal you have. Could you tell us a bit more about that and? How people can get involved. Absolutely, yeah. Look, we we um we had a, a members members and parents meeting on Monday evening. Um, I suppose just to just to to build the foot, footsteps really to get forward and and see where things are going. And out of that meeting, we uh we decided, which is a new venture for the club, we we we, we set up a GoFundMe page there, uh, go um for Carb Carb uh, RFC, and that was really just the the. It's just with the 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 loss, the, the monetary loss, really, that's there between the building and the, the gear. You know, you're talking the guts of 150,000 euros worth of of uh, overall. And uh, you know, while while fundraising is good and all that, we we do need that sort of a boost at the moment to to give us the opportunity to get back on track. Um, and that has been a phenomenal success in the last 24 hours. You know, there's been donations from from every every walk of life, breadth and across the length and breadth of the county and country and outside overseas and all that has just been incredible and uh, we do ask if somebody has has them copy rows and that they, they they feel that uh, it's something that they'd like to donate it we'd absolutely appreciate it we're not looking for hundreds or thousands if it's a five five euros or ten euros whatever person is comfortable given it'll only go to a good cause you know yeah that's it and I suppose other other help as well like we say um, a donation or, or help uh, from a more practical age. We say if there's someone that's good at DIY or good Same at kind of building or that, would that be something you'd yeah. be looking for if, if someone was able to give their time to help out as well? Could you tell uh, maybe about how, how people can go about doing that? Is there someone that they can contact um, if they're yeah, interested in helping out in that sense? There is, I suppose, at the moment, um, what we're trying to do is, is, is you know, keep, keep, keep an account really of, of the offers and, and what's coming through there in the last few days have been very busy but anybody that, that is interested you know I, I can give the the, uh, the carb secretary at gmail.com is one way of contacting us or through the Facebook page or whatever like that um, or I, I, I can I can give out you know, my own I've been probably giving out my own mobile number there to anybody that has a question or anything like that that's no problem if you want to give us your read out your number there and uh, I'll yeah. look up as, later on as well yeah it's 087 450-9740. That's it. And of course, uh, like like we do say, there is a lot of great work being put into the club. And, uh, you know, the, I suppose really you're, you're under pressure now with this happening not too long down the, road, down the road. As you said there, the season will be starting again. People, you know, the yeah. players and everyone else involved, coaches and all that, um, they'll have to be, um, I suppose, preparing, do, doing pre-season training and things like that. It's not easy to kind of prepare for a season when 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 you have something like this going on as well. But as I say, yeah, you know, you know, every everyone everyone pulls together, and it's great to see it. And hopefully, things will uh, will come out. Will, will uh, something? I suppose out of something bad always comes something good. So, uh, absolutely, and, uh, you absolutely. know, it's it's great to see it. 
Yeah, I look at absolutely, and as I say, the 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 the, the amount of volunteer work that goes into to every club, you know, no matter what sport it is, that's what builds builds the backbone of any club, and we're fortunate to have that, you know, in in abundance really, and that'll come to the fore again when 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 we have to put our shoulder to the wheel. So, look at the 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 the, the offers of support and both financially and and every other way at the moment, we're inundated with with uh, anybody that can help that wants to help. They're putting their name out there, and we will be getting back to people as as we we have to drop a plan over the next few days. We have to get a full assessment as to where, where we're at and what we need to do. So, in in the due course over the next week or within the next week, we'll be um we'll have a bit more of a structure and a plan to that. But the main purpose of our of our uh, next six weeks is to get rugby being played back in Car Rugby, and that but that will happen, you know. And just to let people know, if they're watching the video of this uh, this interview, you'll be you'll be actually seeing the uh, some of the photos of uh, the damage that has been done due due to the fire. And uh, you know, I, I suppose really the key, and it's great to see, is you know, out of this, it was like you know, it's very hard to come back from something like this. But uh, you know, it was more how we how the club and the people within the club and the community reacted as opposed to just you know. Yeah. It's as you said, picking picking yourselves up and kind of doing practical things, getting things sorted and all that. Not easy, but they're all most most do things, aren't they? Uh, absolutely. Look at it. It starts at a very basic level. Is is to get the site cleared, and that's that's my work in progress. It's nearly done. There, we have to get an assessment done on our on our. Uh, new floodlights that we put in last year because the main electrically electrical wiring was inside in the new in the new facility. Uh, obviously that went went with the, the fire. So we just need we need to get a, an assessment done on that and we're working in the background to get that all that completed. And once we've that at a base where we can move on then and look at we're fortunate enough we're in the summer months. A lot of work can happen in a few weeks. Um it is a winter sport and by the time we need the floodlights back up and running, we will have them back up and running. Also, after that, it's a storage facility initially. That that and we've we've had uh, numerous offers there already this morning from uh, from various uh, companies and stuff that want to get involved. So again, we'll be touching base with all them once we know exactly where we need to go for the next short term and then a little bit more long term planning. You know. And of course, you know, you know that I suppose a, a lot of equipment would have, would have been damaged in in the fire as well. I suppose. Uh, you know the things that the, yeah. the, the wraps around the wraps for the uh, for the gold posts, um, right. you know cones, uh, bibs, yeah. but uh, you know also other other big type yeah. of equipment that maybe people wouldn't think about. Could you take us yeah. through like the, the some of the stuff yeah. that has been damaged so people would know to be able to help? Uh, absolutely. Look, I suppose if you start in a very very basic level, uh, tackle bags, uh, they're all gone. Um, as you said, post pads. Uh, Cones, bibs, uh, all our match day flags, and all of the, the all of that equipment was in there, along with uh, medical bags, water bottles, um, and then the sort of the commodity products, the togs and socks that we would have bought up last year. To you know, we front loaded a little bit with with some of our gear to make sure that it's there for the start of the next season. And unfortunately, that gear was all that 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 was fully destroyed. Along with uh, those other, you know, there's medical bags, you know, stuff that just you'd have and it mightn't be mightn't be the best one in the world, but there's 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 product in it that that has to be replaced, you know. So um, all of that, along with um, you know, we'd rack and we'd rack and purchase there for uh, the storage of it, and there was new flooring and uh, other other uh, there was paint and stuff bought for the one side of the floor. All of that has been purchased, and 
unfortunately all of that is it's destroyed you know and while while look at it, it, we'll always be learning as we go along unfortunately the big side of this is that uh while the, the building was a work in progress it, it, it wasn't on our insurance policy you know because we were really getting this this building prepared in preparation for the start of next season and we were going adding it to our policy next year no look at that's that's neither here nor there at the minute, but there there is no comeback on 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 a huge amount of this, you know. So that's where the fundraising is so important um, for us to be able to plan short term and, and into the future. That's it. So basically, because it wasn't on the insurance as well, it means you, you yeah. are literally starting from starting from scratch. So uh, I suppose that you know, to all the listeners out there. Uh, you know, it is uh, it is great when you see people all pulling together. So, if there's anyone out there that can um, that that can donate something or even maybe help, as uh, as Chris said there, just uh, contact him. He give the email address yeah. there and his number and contact if you you know if you're a a builder or whatever or a DIY person and you feel you can help, uh, get in touch with the club and they'll they'll be in touch and they'll they'll find something for you. So uh, yeah, so listen, uh, once again it was uh, I I saw it the other day and I just felt I'd like to kind of reach out. I know it's only a, a kind of a small thing, but uh, hopefully this uh, hopefully by um, you you reaching out and uh, doing this interview, hopefully people will uh, will see it and and want to help in whatever way they can. Yeah, and just uh, on a final note, Aiden, just uh, um, to to thank thank people really so far from from near and far, uh, local from local businesses, local clubs to people that just picked up the phone and and again you know offered monetary monetary assistance and whatever they could do. It's just incredible that you know that you hear it a lot of times the the generosity of Irish people and people in general. But uh, it really shows when when something like that happens in a in a good tight local community that covers you know Headford is a great 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 town you know it has the full GA uh, floodlit pitch you have Mine Villa very strong soccer soccer in, in Connacht and uh, and ourselves plus a fantastic secondary school that we've close ties with with rugby there as well you know and uh, our club would be a main feeder into the, the, the school team there the school teams to be honest so it's devastating enough but look we'll move on from it and, and think it's all, things will always get better you know that's it, and um, you know, I'd like to say fair play for for the positive outlook that you have. It's not easy at this time. Um, as I said, I'm sure they're just showing there the uh, some of the photos of the devastation that happened. Uh, if you're watching this video, um, you can you can see this video on YouTube uh, on my YouTube channel at at AR Sports Clinic Sports Therapy Clinic. And, uh, you know, there's, uh, you'll be able to see the pictures then. And I'd like to take this opportunity, Chris, to, uh, wish you and the club all the best in your fundraising efforts and, uh, hopefully, you know, and get back, get back on your feet again, which won't be easy. But, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to keep a good thing down, isn't it, Chris? And, <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and, uh, we won't, we won't, uh, as I say, we're, we're, um, Anthony, we've, we've had Aiden, we've earned it and on the pitch and off the pitch and, that's the uh, you know we're we're an inclusive club we're we're there for everyone and thankfully that 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 is you know shown 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 in the last few days and we'll continue to do that you know there's always setbacks in life and this is just one of them so we'll just we'll carry on. That's it and uh, hopefully maybe uh, you know whenever when everything is fixed up and uh, you can send us on some photos and we'll do uh, we we might do another interview and you can take us through all the all the great work that has been done and uh, maybe before the start or. You know, uh, at some stage in the season, we we can do that. So, listen, the best of luck and uh, best of luck with all the, uh, I suppose, um, you know, get, getting things fixed up and all that. 
Brilliant. Listen, thanks, Aidan, and thanks for reaching out. We really appreciate it, the club, and uh, look, we will we'll definitely keep in touch, and uh, thanks for your help and support. No problem. Thanks. Uh, great, to, great to help out. And so, uh, yeah, that was uh, that was Chris. Uh, that was Chris Kiley, the secretary of Corrigroy Rugby Club. No. <laughs> Hello everyone, how you doing? And you're very welcome to this week's uh, former, the last forward on Formula One uh, with myself, Aidan Rafferty. And of course, as always, we have Zoom user, otherwise known as Michael O'Grady. Hello, Michael, how are you? I doubt you, man. I'm going to have to change the name, am I, on the I just do that for a bit of a laugh, say Zoom user, you know. I, I see myself walking through Ross Common someday and someone will say, that's Zoom user. Can I have your autograph? <laughs> <laughs> I know the locals will think of something else. Well, anyway, we won't argue. <laughs> and uh, the show is kindly sponsored by Best Drive here in Ross Common Town. And uh, don't forget the 50-50 draw uh, on Ross FM, there was a draw there last week, and of course it's so easy to enter. You can uh, buy one envelope for two euro or three for a fiver, and now there is an online option. So why not go online there? And it explains everything on uh, the Ross FM website, rossfm.ie. So uh, yes, so plenty to be t- plenty uh, to cover today. Uh, um, Michael and I suppose uh, you you know it's been a, a few weeks due to different things that have, have come up. But uh, we're we'd be looking back on the on the, the Canada Grand the Canadian Grand Prix and uh, what were your thoughts on that? Well, it was uh, it was a nice change of pace to be honest with you, Canadian Grand Prix. For anyone who's watching, a qualifying was. Literally rain, 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 rain. It was absolutely incredible. It was so much fun. It really was because you know the second that anything like that happens, the rain comes down, chaos is about to ensue. And it did. Sorry? A bit like Ireland. A bit like Ireland. Three three weeks of hot weather and then you get a thunder and lightning storm. Actually, that happened to me going to Enniscorty this week, but I won't. I, I, I digress. <laughs> the boys in Wexford. <laughs> Absolutely. A totally different altogether. It was monsoon season up there. It was summer down here. I don't know what was going on, but it was literally like monsoon season in Canada. It was just, it was so bad that, like, you know, Joe Granu goes out in the car and the car is dead and they get him going again. And it was just absolutely crazy. There was a red flag for the problematic alpha in that one and uh, all three qualifying sessions really I suppose to a certain extent it was all sort of Alonso versus Verstappen but you know there was hitting and there was missing and there was uh, sort of people getting very close to walls on uh, on, on a certain uh, situations. One thing I didn't like is is of course I, I normally watch it on channel, channel 4 now I know you know we all have our favourites and everything like that we do but like you know, Lewis Hamilton did a very, very good job. He came in fourth and George Russell came fifth. But the only thing I, I, I didn't like about Channel 4 was they said a majestic um, lap by Lewis Hamilton. And then sort of his teammate, George Russell, comes up right behind him and practically on top of him with the same lap time, practically. <laughs> and it was kind of, and George is next. You know, it's a pity, but sure, look, that's the way it is, I suppose. We all have our favourites and I'm, I, I'm sure... Channel 4 do just like everyone else, you know. But at the end of qualifying, the rain was actually getting worse and worse and worse. And the whole session uh, was black flagged with seven minutes to go. No one was going to improve anyhow. But the big, big, big change here was that, you know, Nico Hulkenberg actually went into second place behind Max Verstappen and ahead of Fernando Alonso, which was 
you know, absolutely incredible, totally out of place, but absolutely incredible. Now, would you, would you attribute that to the rain, maybe the the heavy rain that's you know probably, probably yeah everything to helter skelter because of, and would have not quite what would have been normal on a normal day is to say you, you you know if the weather was grand you know it would be the same old business, but because of the oh, heavy rain and things like that. Uh, maybe different things that weren't weren't expected to actually happen, which uh, probably led to the good. Now, that's not casting any dispersions on the lad as to why he finished second fair play to him or why he was second. But you know what I mean? There's there's obviously a reason behind that. Well, there is, because he was the last one that got a good lap in just as the rain came, even harder than ever. And he got into second. Fair play to him now. I mean, he did a very good job to get up there. Okay, albeit the fact he's it's not going to really worry Fernando Alonso, Lewis Hamilton, and um, George that he's in front of him, other than the fact he'd probably slow them down trying to catch Max Verstappen. But other than that, it was still a good uh, it was still a good sort of go for him. The only problem was the next day before the race, he got a three place grid penalty for speeding under the red flag. So the won. race was basically red flag. Qualifying was basically red flagged. They just said, that's enough floods. Weather's getting too bad. And then Hulkenberg went across the line. So theoretically, it's a bit of a great point. We're back into great points again. But theoretically, yes, uh, he was technically speeding as he was finishing his lap. But I would have said that was a bit of a cheeky thing to give him a, a, a penalty for. You know what I mean? It's, that's just it's not as if he started really, off a lot. Yeah, it's not as if he started off the lap and it was red flagged and went, oh, well, I don't care, I'm going for it anyway. You know, it wasn't like that. So I did think that was a bit rough. And, of course, Carlos Sainz got uh, a bit of a penalty too because they said he was impeding uh, Gasly um, on the qualifying session. Now, uh, watching that, I, that was a little unfair as well because I don't think he was impeding him. I think he was just having trouble with the car in the wet. So it was kind of, you know... Sort of two people have been given penalties before the race had even started, and and you know, hand on heart, you know, should they have got the penalties? I don't think so, you know. So maybe it's the FIA kind of making up for all the years of bad decisions and and sort of and put them all into one bad decision. So all the little all the little bad decisions added up to one bad one huge decision, badly decision. But uh, you know, like I suppose really when you think about it though. Uh, you know, when you consider the weather, it was lucky it went ahead at all. Like, I mean, some uh, like a last minute decision could have been made. Say, look, this is too dangerous for the drivers because, like, like we've said on here before, uh, you know, when you weather weather like that, it must be so hard mm. to get traction on the track. Oh, sure, it's even hard if there's a guy in front of you. You know, the flashing red light. Yeah. Imagine the day when it didn't have the flashing red light. You know, it was even worse. And then they brought it in when they were braking, so you know they're braking. That was after Schumacher ran into the back of Coulthard in the wet. Because um, Coulthard hit the brakes just slightly earlier. And um, so then they put the black, red flashing light on. But thankfully, the light's on all the time now. So, I mean, it does... It does help the guys big time. But you can you can see absolutely nothing. When you see the driver's eye view... And there's a guy in front of me. I don't even have, I don't even know how to know what part of the track they're on. Yeah. <laughs> That's the big and I suppose point, you, honestly, you know, when it hugely affected um, lap times and, and qualifying mm. times and everything, like, you know, could you talk us uh, through a bit about that? Well, it, it's, it's like everything, isn't it? The, the rain brings down 
a lot of hassle. I mean, they, they had the free practice. That was absolutely fine. But the second you get rain, now you've got to decide what tyres to go on. Okay. In this situation, everyone went on to intermediate tyres. It was pointless going on to wet because you got a good good time on intermediate tyres. Wets were never going to beat it, even if it doesn't matter how wet the track gets. They're never going to beat it. But with the wets, the way I've been looking at the drivers, the way the drivers take it, is you're going around a track that, you know, yeah, you have some idea what's going on, but you're in a different car. It's a different year. You're fighting for different things. And you're trying to find out exactly where that car is supposed to be on the road and exactly at what point it's not going to be on the road anymore. It's, it's incredibly difficult when you think about it. You know, I mean, we're also used to power steering and anti-slip this and, you know, um, all that sort of crack in the car writing itself and all that, little bits and pieces. These guys don't have that. You know, they're trying to make sure this car goes around at scary speeds in the wet. Because believe me, the speeds they're doing in the wet are every bit as scary as the speeds they're doing in the dry. So it was absolutely, it was chaos. But what even made it more difficult was, of course, race day, the circuit was dry. Now, they had turned wheels and anger and qualifying, proper anger and qualifying, to get the place. I mean, you, you can go as fast as you like in practice. It's not the same as going in qualifying. And it's not the same as a race. And they're all starting to line up on this track where they've had, you know, very little running on. And now there's dry tyres. Now what happens? Where are the dry tyres going to be? How fast can we go on the dry tyres? And that was actually, funny enough, that was punctuated on the very first lap because on the start, Hamilton jumped Alonso, who couldn't get the, the grips with how much grip he had in his tyres. He wasn't quite sure. And then George Russell came up right behind him and very nearly took him too. But Alonso just got it, figured it out, and pulled off and kept Russell behind him then in that case. But that was basically just because he did not know where the tyres were, where they were going to be, and, you know, how fast they could actually go on these tyres because it was just a little bit of experience had been lost. And it's only, I mean, it's tiny. It's absolutely tiny. To you and me, we wouldn't even see the reaction time. But, you know, when you're, when you're dealing with the 20 best um, race car drivers on the same track, you know, a fraction of a split of a quarter of a tenth of a second, and all is lost, as they say, you know. So, yes. The tyres did have a big a, a big problem on that. And they were all testing the tyres for three, four laps. You could even see it in some of the drivers. You know, they were slightly catching themselves going around corners and stuff like that. So it did make, I suppose, to a certain extent, even though it was a dry race, and kind of dry races, you're almost expecting the same people to be in the same places. <laughs> but it did make it a little bit more interesting for a while, you know, which was quite good to see at least, you know. Just on the race itself, I think the top 12 or 13 started on medium tyres as well. So, you know, you're not even getting the bite of the softs at the start. So it was an interesting situation. And Lewis did get ahead of Fernando for a while because there was a little bit of a, it was a little bit of a faux pas there at one stage. Uh, Max was absolutely you know, pulling away like he always does, you know, not by as much as usual in the race now. There's, there's something I did notice. The Aston Martin is is gone very, very, very fast. But, you know, there was a virtual safety car on lap eight. Trevor Sargent broke down. Actually, the marshals are very impressive. I have to say, well done to them because they got that car off and the virtual safety car was ended before the lap even was finished. Now, mind you, you also had to say Sergeant actually parked his car very wisely in about the best possible situation he could find. So 
it was a good situation with that, really, you know. Could have been a lot worse. Even with the cars, that was, yeah, as I was saying with the speed, you know, Hamilton was holding up Alonso. You could see he was because, you know, Max was pulling out maybe three or four tenths a second or a lap, I should say. That's not as much as he normally pulls out. Max could pull out a second and a half a lap. But no, he was only pulling out three and four tenths a lap um, while, unfortunately, Alonso was being held back by Lewis. But, but that's just the way it is. He can't get past them. You know, but when the, the, the real fun came in was at the pit stops because, you know, we we had a small we had a small issue. We had a safety car or a, a safety car. The guys decided to go on to dive in. This is the time to do it. So what happens is basically Hamilton decides he's going to dive in. So that's absolutely fine. Alonso decides he's going to dive in to cover Hamilton. The problem was the two went in at the same time. And when the two went into the same time, um the Aston Martin pit stop was about 2.3 seconds, but the Mercedes pit stop was about 3.3 seconds. Mm. So there was a big kerfuffle about the time, about the thing that it was an unsafe release by Mercedes to let Hamilton now, considering, you know, Alonso's team were nearly a second faster. So and Hamilton pulled straight out in front of them. <laughs> it's like you know yourself it's like parking in the middle of Ross Common when everybody's looking for a parking space you know you don't know who's going to come from where <laughs> yeah I, I like the way you compare everything to Ross Common but you're right absolutely you know, absolutely it's a bit I've of a lot already you know a bit of a lot I've seen Paul Egan driving I've seen Paul <laughs> Egan driving uh, <laughs> you know so it was a, it was a it was kind of a bit of a a situation there, I have to admit, where Alonso is getting massively frustrated uh, behind Hamilton. Now, he did eventually get past them. And to be honest with you, when he did get past them, you know, on lap 23, he absolutely, you know, made it look easy, um, Alonso did. And then he started after that pulling out and out and out. But, you know, it's the Mercedes with Hamilton becoming second in the last race, the Spanish Grand Prix. He, he obviously, you know, had his eye on being second again. Um, it, it just wasn't, he was less lucky this time, as they say, because Alonso wasn't back as far as he was. And it's just the way it was. That Aston Martin, I have that's to That's very on, on uh, Lewis, like, um, <laughs> you know, because he knows, obviously, he, he, he the chances of him ever finishing first are kind of slim. So it, it's very unusual <laughs> to see him happy to settle for, for a second, like. Well, that's very true. And he was reasonably happy enough to settle for third in Canada, which was again very on Lewis Hancom. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe, you know, maybe to a certain extent, maybe the misfortune of Mercedes at the minute is, you know, in in, in his way, building character. Well, I put it that way to you. You know what I mean? Building character, and you know, when we got third place, lads, that wasn't bad. You know, you um, of course, Fernando Alonso was <laughs> <laughs> Fernando Alonso was a happy camper because this was his first second of the year. So he was a very happy camper at the end of it. There was a few oddball things going on there too. Max Verstappen actually hit a bird on lap 12. <laughs> that was an interesting one. It could have been serious, but it actually wasn't, which was good. I didn't have to get least, the mentor associate the bird or anything. Yeah. <laughs> Ferrari now. Ferrari. Ferrari didn't stop for tyres when everybody else was. And, and it was an interesting situation here because I've been kind of scratching my head about Ferrari for a while now, being being 
a Ferrari fan. Um, uh, I have to admit Aston Martin fan too. I must get me Aston Martin hat on next week. Um, but, you know, there's been a bit of an issue with the qualifying and with everything and the rain. And uh, Leclerc was out on a qualifying lap and they made him stay out a bit longer on the lap in the tyre he was on, which meant then he pulled in, didn't put in a good time and then didn't actually get the better of the time. Whereas if he had have come in, they could have switched the tyres and went back out. It's almost as if the drivers no longer trust the team, which is, is kind of scary. You know what I mean? The engineers are saying things and the drivers are automatically questioning it. You know, the engineer could nearly turn around and say, the sky is blue. Is it really? What? I don't see a blue sky. You know what I mean? It's getting to that stage. So I, I, I didn't exactly... It was a bit of an uncomfortable race for Ferrari. Now, they did okay when you think about it. Where did Leclerc start? Charles Leclerc started in 11th. And um, Sainz started in eight. So, I mean, they did okay in the race. And I think not changing the intermediate tyres did it for them because they jumped so many cars. Um, Leclerc went all the way up to fourth and Sainz fifth. And they jumped so many cars and they managed to stay there because, of course, as the race went on, everybody needed a second pit stop. But Ferrari only stopped once. So then they jumped up to fourth and fifth. As a matter of fact, I, when they went in for the pit stops, Leclerc was so far ahead of Sainz that he actually pulled in, pitted, pulled back out still ahead of him. Um, so he did a fantastic <laughs> job, Charles Leclerc. Yeah. But, you know, when you when you feel, I suppose it's like everything, isn't it? It's like any sport you go into. When you feel the team is not behind you or the team is making mistakes, it doesn't really work well. It doesn't make things good. You know what I mean? Perhaps and, the good and that's, that's, that's when you have to make changes as well. <laughs> it's easier to make changes in hurling and football than it is in the middle of a Formula One race. But well, that, you know is, I mean? the, <laughs> that is the problem. And, and maybe this is where these um, uh, rumours are coming out of about, you know, oh, is um, Lewis Hamilton going to Red Bull? Oh, is Lewis Hamilton going to Ferrari? I don't know. I can't tell you. I know he's not going to Aston Martin anyway, that's for sure. <laughs> but he hasn't actually signed his new contract with Mercedes yet. There you go. Your so, second colleague might be able to nab him for the Formula One wheelie bin racing next, next year. Oh, no, no, no. no. There's a certain type of driver for that now, I have to admit. Oh, you know, we, 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 we may not be interested in that situation, you know. You need a kind of a guy... Who's, good enough for that, like, you know. Yeah. Well, it's very true. You need a guy who's rugged that, you know, can drive a car through a brick wall and stuff like that, like, you know. Like yourself and Paul yeah. Absolutely, you know. It's just, just, just the way it goes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it was... Um, another thing I did find funny was the unsafe release when Hamilton was announced... And they didn't do anything about it. It was just an announced and nothing else happened. And I just found it very coincidental that on lap 23, when Alonso took the place and overtook Hamilton, literally quarter of a lap later, it was announced that there would be uh, no further investigation. Oh. It just seemed very strange for me the way things are being brought out on the day, I have to admit. I, I really did, you know. Um, there was a great situation I'm sure most people saw it where Kevin Magnuson and Freeze were uh, fighting hard against each other really I mean they were really going at it and hammer and tongs and the two of them actually went off into a runoff area on the track now you know in one way you have to say absolutely brilliant lads you know you're fighting hard and you know everything's okay but you know, at the same time, I'm amazed they didn't go into each other. <laughs> so I suppose uh, to finish off, um, what, so what were the top three then, uh, the finishing? 
the top three, well, the top three basically stayed as it was. Max Verstappen first, uh, Alonso second, Hamilton third, and Leclerc got the four. George Russell did hit his car, lost an aerodynamic part, and the um, brakes were overheating, so they wisely called him off the track earlier on. So that, that was quite good, at least. And uh, man of the track to me, or race to me, there's actually two. Um, Leclerc, because he went from like 11 to 4th in nice terms, working forwards, everyone ignored him, and yet he was there. And the other one, I have to say, is Alex Albon. He brought home a Williams in 7th place. He did a very good job in Canada. <laughs> Fair enough, but that, that's great. Uh, that's great. Hello everyone, how you doing? And you're very welcome to this week's League of Ireland chat with myself, Aidan Rafferty. And of course, as always, we ha- from Adlone Community Radio, we have Robbie Mulvey. Hello Robbie, how are you? Are you well? How's it going, Not too bad, no. Not too bad. Good, great to have you on board, as always. And, of course, uh, some very positive things, uh, some great things to talk about uh, this week. And we'll kick it off, uh, we'll kick it off with the uh, Conference League, the Conference League draw. Yeah, absolutely. So, Derry City may play against Finnish side, uh, Kukio, by the way, if I mispronounce any of the names of any of the, the countries with uh, listeners listening in, I do apologise in advance. <laughs> I, may, I might butcher a few of these. But um, Derry City may play against Finnish side Cups, uh, Kupio in the second round of the Europa League uh, qualifiers. If they qualify, the Candy Strive School place Fair Islands champions NHB Torshaven in their first round clash. And the FAI Cup holders will play the first leg in Torshaven with the Ryan McBride Bandywell Stadium set to host the second leg. But if they come from through that, they will play the finish side with the Candy Stripes set to play in the first leg at home if they get that far. Meanwhile, St. Patrick's Athletic will play the winners of the uh, of the tie between Gazira United from Gibraltar and Glen Torre from Northern Ireland should they progress. The, the Saints will play Luxembourg's side F91 Dudelange in their first round tie. John Daly's men will play the first leg away from home with the game scheduled to take place on Wednesday, July the 12th. The second leg will be played on Thursday, July 20th at Richmond Park. If they come through that, they will face one of Gazira United or Glentoran with the Saints set to play the first leg away from home in uh, the second qualifying round. Elsewhere, Dundalk may also play against the winners of the tie between K.A. Akurui uh, you might have to look up that spelling. I'm probably mispronouncing that. They're from Iceland. And Connors Quays, Nomad, Wales in the second qualifying round. So, And of course, that's, uh, that, that's the man he used to manage Man United, wasn't it? If I remember right. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I don't know what. I'll have to get back to you on that. <laughs> I think so, yeah. But anyway, if the, the name sounds familiar, and I think that's who it was. But uh, yeah, so some 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 interesting fixtures there for uh, League of Ireland fans, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, there are definitely matches that you, you would imagine that they're well in with a shout of winning, you know. And not to say that. That, you know the Irish clubs are world beaters by any stretch, obviously. But you know when you see the the likes of Glentoran or Gazira uh, United, they're not exactly filling anybody with a lot of fear with who they who they're going up against. But then again, we've seen before where you know teams have gone up against 
uh, clubs like Florida Thailand, for example, a few years ago, and you were expecting Shamrock Rovers to beat them, and, and they came on glued or on stuck. So, you know, we're, we're not exactly at a level that we can take any team for granted. But at the same time, you know, we, we've seen in the past, you know, obviously with Stephen Kenny coming out in the last week and mentioning his CV in terms of European football, where to beat the likes of uh, Bati Borisov, who are uh, you know, well known as, as a decent side in European football in terms of you know the Europa League or even now in the Conference League, they would have been they would be seen as uh, a big fish. You know, these are these are teams that you would expect the, the Irish sides to get, compete on a, on an even level and be well able to beat. That's it, and uh, hopefully we, we'd like to wish the, the Irish teams all the best in that, and uh, uh, the draw is going to be is going to be very interesting there. And moving on to things more so close to home, with regards to Athlone Town uh, Football Club, and uh, unfortunately, it was sad to see uh, the departure of uh, Tommy Hewitt from the uh, the ladies team, the manager of the ladies team. He has stepped down as manager. That's that's a shame because he has uh, he has done he has brought the the, uh, the ladies team so far hasn't he and to see him stepping down but it has to be said I suppose when you, when you look at this lady's team he has left them in a, in a good space Yeah I mean I'll just go through the statement actually and we'll, we'll run through that but the statements on the Atlanta Town uh, website reads as follows in a statement the, board, the Atlanta Town FC board confirmed that it had regretfully accepted the resignation of Tommy Hewitt Hewitt guided Atlanta to a memorable season in 2022, reaching the FAI Winners' Cup final, in which they lost to Shelburne and finished second in the Women's National League. Popular with players and supporters alike, Hewitt's departure will be seen as a big blow to the club. Um, so, basically, Hewitt goes on to say, over the last four years, or sorry, this is from the board, in, in fact, apologies. Over the last four years, Tommy has been hugely instrumental in the development of the senior ladies' team, and we all remember uh, last season's heroics when they finished second in the league and a fantastic day out in Tallaght for the women's FAI Cup final. Then earlier this year, the team landed in the first their first silverware when they won the President's Cup in a dramatic day at the Atlanta Town Stadium, ensuring Tommy's place in the history of the club. Club thanked Tommy for all his hard work and dedication and wished him the best in his future endeavours. So, yeah, look, to be honest with you, it was a bit of a, of a surprise. I think... You know, obviously, just from talking to Tommy over the last couple of months, I know he had big plans to uh, develop, redevelop the club after losing some key players last year. I know he wanted to bring the, the team on to the next level. And I know the way they lost the FAI Cup final last year uh, really hurt him. If you go back to uh, that game, a few refereeing decisions, uh, apparently a few controversial refereeing decisions, were, you know, he felt were the, the reason why uh, it was a big reason why they lost the game although to be fair Shelburne were uh, very good on the day as well so take nothing away from Shelburne winning the cup but at the same time you you know a few of their goals were ruled offside uh, from a refereeing decision questionable refereeing decisions not that I'm trying to uh, you know make referees the villain of the piece but they're only human as well but at the same time you know you do have to go back and, and look at that game and, and think what might have been and I think if you, after the game Tommy basically came out and said, look, we're going to absolutely dominate next year if we can kind of keep this team together. Now, unfortunately, they did lose two of their most um, valuable, or I won't say valuable players, but two of their key players in defender Jessica Hennessy and Emily Corbett up front, who was the top scorer in the league last year. I think she got 
uh, something around the, the, the number of 23 goals last season and was the top scorer for the, the, the team. And, you know, when you lose those two key uh, players, they're very hard to replace. And unfortunately, the, the team just hasn't been able to quite replace those players. They did bring in some very good players, but they weren't able to quite replace those two players. So um, obviously that made a big impact and it left a big hole in the team and uh, had a had a big impact in, in the team's season so far. But at the same time, there's definitely a lot of potential in the team. You know, you've got the likes of uh, Chloe Singleton, Kaylee Shine, uh, you know, obviously Laura Ryan as well, you know, the club captain. So, you know, and there's quite a few younger players coming through. As a matter of fact, uh, one of the young players that are co- come through actually won the uh, Player of the Year award for the International Under-19 section at the recent FAI Awards. We're going to be talking about that in a second. That was Scarlett Heron. So uh, she's been coming through and, and becoming a big, um, a major force within the team. So obviously, there's a there's a lot of you know there's a lot to build on there. Maybe it just needs a, a bit more experience in a few key areas and. Uh, that that might be the difference, but again, Tommy's done a fantastic job. He's put our long town ladies on the map. They basically built this team from scratch, from uh, you know, from the ground up. That like they 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 entered their uh, under 14s and under 15s and under 16 sides into the local MSL leagues, and obviously into the under 17s national league and the under 19s national league. So uh, they won the under 19s division two league last year. So uh, there's a lot of there's a, a good foundation there to build on over the next few years, and I think whoever comes in will uh, be, I reckon, will be thankful for the, the foundation left by Tommy. That's it. It's great to see, and of course, we'd like to. Uh, we hope, uh, and I'm sure you, as an Athlone fan, an Athlone, uh, uh, Athlone town fan, and I suppose me is because uh, they're their local team for me as well. Hopefully, you'd like to think that this would be uh, the appointment of a new bo- a new manager. Uh, will be put to bed as as quickly as possible for the be- for the betterment of the for uh, for the betterment of the team. But uh, have you got any kind of maybe inkling as to who you you, you think might be might be there to replace him or might, might come in to replace uh, Tommy Hewitt? Uh, listen, I've got no names so far. Again, this just came out of the blue over the last yeah. few days, so it's going to be very interesting to see uh, who takes the who takes the post. Um, I think maybe it might it might be one of the backroom staff. It might be Anthony Fay, maybe who's done such a great job with the under 19s and he was his right hand man throughout the last number of years. So maybe he might decide to step up. But like I said, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a, a queue a mile long to, to step up and, and take the role. That's it, because I mean, look, when when you see where ladies football is going now, and I suppose ladies football in uh, in that lone town, and when you see the sort of players like you just said, the sort of players that are coming through in the in the club, uh, you know, it's exciting times, and it makes the uh, when you see the coaches uh, at the other underage teams uh, in that lone town, it, it it makes the the fir- it makes the man- the new manager's job a, a lot easier because uh, you know when you have some quality players coming through. So I suppose um, yeah, you were saying there about. Uh, Heather Heather Payne, uh, you know she's really going from uh, strength to strength, isn't she? Yeah, absolutely. Look, she's um, obviously had uh, big success on the international stage, and she's had success on the. Uh, she's been rewarded for that. So I'm just going to go through this uh, real quick. So the award. Uh, so um, Heather Payne has been chosen as the first winner of the Young Women's Player of the Year award for the 33rd FAI. International awards this past week. 
Uh, Cray, Nato Payne helped the Republic of Ireland senior women's team to qualify for the upcoming FIFA World Cup, the first time for Ireland to do so as a youngster ahead of representing Ballinasloe Town and the ADSL before going on to play for Salt Hill, Devon and Piedmont United. The daughter of uh, Gronia and Brandon Payne, Heather, uh, Brendan Payne, rather, Heather can operate as a forward or attacking midfielder, and the 23-year-old now plays for Florida State University in the United States of America. Abby Larkin and Jess Zhu were the other players nominated alongside Payne in the Young International Player category. Meanwhile, at Lone Town, Scarlett Hearn, who we just mentioned there, was selected as the Women's Under-19s Player uh, International Player of the Year Award at the ceremony in the Mansion House in Dublin this past week. So, yeah, it's fantastic to see the talents in being and beyond being recognised uh, obviously, we mentioned uh, Scarlett Heron, but there are other players coming through who are being recognised at international level over the next couple of years as well. I think there's uh, been a few under 15s, 16s and 17s being brought in. Uh, Millie Daly, I think, is a name to watch out for. She's a, a lady that uh, has been brought, uh, um, brought up to international camps at under 15s and 16s level. So. Uh, there are definitely players that uh, that she's definitely a name that uh, you want to watch out for. She actually scored a few goals in a friendly for the uh, for the Irish under ladies under 16 squad uh, a couple of months back. So, like I said, look again. It's it's not all about the young guys coming through. It's not all about you know the the kids coming through the system. I think uh, what what I you know what I think. I'd like to see personally for Athlone is to maybe bring in a little bit more experience and to kind of uh, you know help the, the younger girls there because it's it's an average age I think of like 20 or 21 so just to, to see maybe one or two more experienced players come in and, and kind of help the team uh, develop over the next year or two but again it's going to be a really good project and a really enticing project to anybody who uh, is coming through over the, uh, who, who decides to take up the reins over the next few years. That's it, and it's got, you know it's, it's exciting times. But I suppose really looking at the ladies' team now as well, you just said uh, like bringing in more experienced players, and that that's one side of it. But uh, you, you know, like I suppose tactically, or looking at uh, lo- looking at the team, you know, in various positions, are there any areas that you feel that that need more experience more so than other positions in the team? Well, I mean. I think for me personally, I always start with defence. I mean, I think there's a lot of really good um, talent there, obviously, but I think I'd like to see maybe one or two more experienced players being brought in on the defensive side, on the defensive midfield side, you know, just to kind of help out with the back line. The team plays a very, very attacking uh, style of play. They like to get up, they like to hit the wings, and while that's really, uh, that's you know, obviously they've got a lot of pace in the team, the likes of Maddie Gibson and you know, obviously for me Chloe Singleton is probably one of the best players in the league. She she very much reminds me of a, a Paul Pogba. She's got fantastic control, she's got great dribbling ability, she's got the ability to pick a pass. I think she could she's she could definitely be a key player for the team over the next couple of years. But maybe I just think that just defensively maybe it might be I don't feel that they've maybe managed to Properly replaced the, the loss of uh, Jess, Jessica Hennessy, who's gone to Shamrock Rovers. So, I just think that maybe the, the, an area that might be worth looking at is is the central defence. Maybe bring in some experience to, to let the younger girls uh, develop and just uh, bring it uh, bring it through that way. And I think if you've got a rock solid defence, 
you can maybe uh, maybe gives the the attacking midfield and, and the forwards peace of mind on on you know on the ability to get forward. And I think if Ava was look, I'm not a qualified manager. I don't have any sorts or anything. So uh, this is just a pure punditry from my point of view. But if, if I was to uh, if I was in charge of a, a lone ladies, that would be the first area I'd start. That's it, and uh, hopefully, hopefully now there will be, and hopefully, I suppose with, with the men's team as well. Um, hopefully, things will uh, will turn turn a corner. Uh, what are your thoughts on the men's senior team at the moment? Does the international? Uh, the, no, the the Athlone Town team. Oh, the Athlone Town team. Well, to be honest with you, I mean, after going through a period of you know three three losses in a in a row, they've picked it up again. They beat Longford there on the bank holiday. Uh, there two weeks ago, and they, they followed that up with a really good performance against uh, Brave Wonders. Obviously, they're under new management now. It's it's an interim management at the moment. Um, Dario Castillo, uh, who has come in, he is uh, the new manager of the team. He's, he's set the team up really well. I think we're starting to see really good performances from key players. I think the game against Brave was probably the best performance I've seen from. Uh, Patrick Hickey, the central defensive midfielder, he was all over the place. He got up, he got back, he got um, he was all over the place. He was setting uh, chances up and he was uh, breaking a, a, a attacks up from the Bray uh, midfield and uh, forward line. So he's really started to get the best out of uh, out of uh, Patrick Hickey. And uh, you know, obviously, the team seems to be responding to it now. Obviously, there is that uh, honeymoon period where a new manager comes in and they they, they manage to pick it up for a little bit, but then. You know, the ne- it's the next couple of games that they're going to be that we're going to see whether this uh, this kind of form is, is is permanent rather than temporary. So, uh, a couple of big games coming up over the next few weeks. I-, I would say this though, to be fair, I mean we can complain about the, the obviously the, the three losses in a row and the inconsistency of the team, which you know no doubt is a bit of an issue. But to see a Lone Town in, in third place is uh, a huge improvement over the last number of years where they've been struggling at the bottom of the table in ninth or 10th place and they've struggled to to finish, uh, you know, sec- second from bottom or, or last. So I think, you know, the, it is a big improvement. But the one thing I would say is I don't think the team is ready for a playoff. I think if the team does go up, I don't think it's ready for the Premier League or the Premier Division, I should say, just yet. I think uh, I'd like to see them bring in maybe a couple of more players in in certain positions, but I do think that the the team is developing. You're starting to see a little bit of an identity with the team. Uh, there's a lot of pace on the wings with the likes of Jamar Campion, Hines, Isaiah Lewis, uh, obviously Franz Pirol. If they can manage to, to keep a hold of him for the next year or two, uh, I think a lot of teams are going to be looking at him, especially the likes of Galway United. I reckon, uh, obviously, with, they're going to be favourites to go up. Waterford United will be looking at him as well. So chances are he's probably going to not be around the the team for for much longer. He's obviously got uh, 11, 12, 13 goals this season. I think uh, he's obviously going to be huge to he's going to be key to how we finished uh, how it won't finish the season. I think the the team is gaining more confidence, but I think consistency now is the key over the next couple of months to see how they manage to if they can manage to string a good uh, batch of results back to back. But for right now, I think, look, we've, we've seen definite progress. If we can maybe keep a manager for, for four and five minutes, and I mean that with the highest respect to Gordon Brett and Dermot Lennon, I think they've done a fantastic job. Uh, I think they've tried to bring it on, uh, you know, further. They've tried to build on 
what uh, the last manager has done and uh, I think there's definite progress there but um, it's just about maybe getting a manager in uh, getting uh, a consistency in the team and just basically building around the, the identity of the, the team just basically figuring out what the identity of the team is and that's to I think they're at the moment they're an, a counter-attacking team I think they wait for the counter-attack because they have so much pace on the wing to get up and, and attack that uh, forward forward line or that back line I should say and uh, I think we'll just have to wait and see what the, what the new manager has in store or what they might decide to do is uh, stay with Dario Castillo, uh, maybe give him an opportunity if he wants the job. But at the moment, it's uh, it's, it's good to see them back uh, having a, a good run of form, and hopefully they can keep that up this weekend. That's it, and uh, of course we'd like to we'd like to find we'd like to wish them all the best and uh, try and find an appointment for uh, for the man for the manager for the the ladies team. So listen, thanks very much for taking the time out to do uh, League World and chat with us, uh, uh, Robbie, and we look forward to talking to you again soon. Yeah, no worries. Thanks, Aidan. No, no problem. And uh, would you like to tell people what's on your show? Yeah, well, coming up on the show uh, today, which is, uh, or sorry, coming up on the show on Friday, uh, we've got a packed show as always. So uh, we're going to hear from Glenn Byrne. Glenn Byrne is the manager of the Gainer Cup squad, the Milan Schoolboy League Gainer Cup squad that got all the way to the national final. Uh, the A final and were just beaten at the post but uh, they had a phenomenal season this year uh, they put in some fantastic performances so we're going to hear from again about their Gainer Cup campaign we're also going to hear from Pat Conroy Pat is the uh, is the f- head of the finance committee or the fundraising committee I should say at a Lone Tennis Club they've recently been awarded €80,000 to help with their development of their new clubhouse so we're going to hear what plans that the Athlone Tennis Club have for that so that's on at 3 sorry that's on at 4.20 we start at 4 o'clock uh, that, that, that interview is going to be on at 4.20 on Friday at half at 3 or sorry half 4 I'm still on the old system at uh, half 4 we're going to hear from your good self you're going to be bringing us up to date on what's going on around Roscommon in our Roscommon Roundup and at 22.5 Aidan Dunn is going to be on the line and he's going to be previewing this weekend's local, national and international sporting fixtures. So that's all coming up on Friday between 4 and 5pm. No problem. Well, there there you go, folks. Uh, why not tune in? Why not tune into that as well as uh, uh, Ross of M, of course, with myself, Aidan Raftery as well on uh, Friday Sports. So listen, thanks very much for taking the time out to do, uh, to do the to do League of Ireland with us and we look forward to talking to you again next week. No worries. God, God bless. No problem. And that was uh, that was Robbie Mulvey from uh, Atlone Community Radio talking about all things League of Ireland. Hello, everyone. How are you doing? You're very welcome to this week's Camogie Roscommon Camogie update with myself, Aidan Raftery. And of course, as always, we have uh, from the from the PRO from the County Board, uh, Maeve. Hello, Maeve. How are you? Are you well? Very well, thanks. How are you? Not too bad. No, not too bad. Yeah, exciting times for uh, Camogie and Roscommon at the moment with the the team doing so well. And uh, I suppose to start off, uh, it was great to see uh, so, some of the two of the players that were injured are, are back in the, are back in the frame for being selected for the Clare game. Yeah, no, we're delighted. Yeah, Anya O'Mara and Sean Fallon, who were out uh, the last while and he missed out on the last against um, Loud there. Um, they're they're mended, um, pretty much. So uh, they're you know, um, 
ready for selection, I suppose, um, for this weekend. So that's that's fantastic. And um, I know we really we discussed last week about you know our strong panel, and we were still able to come away with um, a substantial win against Loud without those players, which does go to show the strength of the panel. But um, yeah, no, it's great to have um, those players back, whether they're starting or coming on as subs later on. Um, it's yeah, we're just re- relieved for them and for the team, and yeah, we're all delighted. And I suppose the key for them as well is, like, you know, them coming back as well. But I suppose the key thing is that, uh, you know, they're making it through the training sessions as well. And that show, that shows the progress and how, how much they're coming on. And, um, you know, they're, they're available and fit and ready for, for the claim, clear game. Because, you know, at this, I suppose at this stage, I know you're, you're qualified and all that, but it's still, it's still great to have a, a full selection of uh, personnel to choose from. Oh, this is it exactly, and you know it'll be it'll be hard to I picked I think the the, the starting fifteen um, on Saturday. You know, there's just you know a great panel of very strong players, very skilled players, um, which is you know a tricky situation for management to be in. But to be honest, probably the best uh, place you know you want to be when you're coming into you know the knockout rounds of the championship. Um, we. Mm-hmm. Are missing um, Sarah Dooley still, which is a big loss. But um, again, like we said, like we've discussed before, um, you know, it's all manageable, and we have you know um, very um, competent players um, that are able to fill those gaps um, and come on and uh, do their best for their team when they are called up to come on. So. I think, you know, we were in a great position after the Loud game, even if we didn't have some players, um, because of the strength of, you know, the panel and how training has been going the last couple of weeks for all involved. Um, but it is, yeah, it is a great boost to have those players back. And, you know, we don't have everybody back. And, you know, the Clare team are, you know, more than likely the same. You know, every panel is dealing with injuries and dealing with people missing for um whatever reason so um we just we're just kind of focusing on ourselves and um hoping for the best and you know relying on um the you know really decent trainings um that we've had the last couple of weeks and how the team have come together so um yeah it'll be it'll be um interesting to see how um saturday excuse me be great to see how saturday goes um you know, Claire are a really strong unit as well and, you know, they've had really substantial wins over in the, their first two rounds in the championship. Um, so, um, yeah, but it'll be a great, great game in Camogie and um, be, um, it'll be exciting, exciting weekend um, for both teams, I suppose. That's it, and I suppose for for other for other teams in the championship as well. I suppose some play, some uh, some teams will be missing players due to the leaving cert and all that, and uh, <clears throat> the ending of that, I suppose, is is around the corner. So it's not too far away, and um, teams will be able to have their uh, their their any players that are involved in the leaving cert that they'll be back as well. But I suppose uh, there's been a special touch to, to training over the last couple of weeks. There, you were saying, um, you know, they were they were dressing up for the gay pride. Yeah, that's it exactly. So um, June is um, Pride Month, and then a lot of the Pride parades will be happening actually on Saturday coming up. So Dublin Pride is on Saturday, but um, the Kamoku Association is really honed in on you know being um, you know an ally for that community and um, making sure that all players 
um, and everyone part of the Camogie family, I suppose, are, you know, um, feel safe and comfortable, but are also celebrated within the sport. Um, so the third round of the championship is the hashtag pride round. Um, so uh, last week, you know, players up and down the country uh, and up and down the county were um, encouraged to, you know, show that the, the pride that they have for was well, suppose themselves and their teammates who are part of the LGBTQIA plus community um, that, you know, their the Kamoki family is, you know, welcoming and supportive of them. So um, last week um, for our, 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 you know, junior team, they all, you know, dressed up in multicolours um, for the rainbow flag. Um, they had sashes and everything. And then after training, they had a few um, different treats that were multicoloured. So, you can see those pictures up on our social media. I would have posted them the other week. So um, it's also, you know, that's a, it's a, it's a great, it's a great thing to be, um, you know, shown as an inclusive organisation. Um, but it's also really fun. You know, it's a bit of crack, and um, you know, it's, you know, sport is so important to so many people for ch- different challenges throughout their lives. And I think, you know, just amplifying that. Um, sport is there to support people and is there um, to celebrate people um, just to reiterate that especially in the month of June um, you know it's just fantastic That's it and I suppose really you know when they see this what the Camogie Association are doing the, the, there might be w- w- women that are that, that are um, LGBT plus um, you know that mightn't have felt comfortable taking up Camogie because of whatever um Things are against, you know, views or whatever against the LGBTQ community. Um, you know that they might they might feel more comfortable that generally well now that we see this going on, we might the, the, you know there might be um, girls taking up taking up um, camogie as well because of that. You know, and they feel they'll they'll feel more include they'll feel more included because of uh, this campaign and in June. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think you know it'll probably be continued throughout the year. Um, but I think it's a great, it's a great, you know, initiative by the association. And um, I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's really good for, you know, younger players or, you know, people, you know, people that are part of that community, you know, are are oftentimes isolated. And I think sport is, is a way, you know, not to be isolated in, in, you know, in life in general. Mm So, um, you know, especially, you know, at, at, you know, late teens, there's such a high dropout rate for um, girls and women in sport. And if you can see that you are in whichever way that you identify, you are welcomed and you are um, celebrated, um, you know, that's very comforting. Mm. Um, players, whatever age they are, it's not even if they're young players, you know, and it, it goes for, you know, people that are involved that aren't just players, you know, supporters and trainers and organisers and everything like that. It, it's not necessary that they need to be, um, you know, really outspoken about their identity, but just to, to, you know, highlight to those people that, you know, they're, um, you know, they're an asset to camogie and to sport and that they're always welcome. So, um, yeah, we'll keep, we'll keep it going. And um, it's, yeah, no, it's just it's just a really it's a really lovely initiative and I think these kind of initiatives are just going to become um, you know, bog standard and, you know, the the norm. So that's really good.
That's it. And it might, it doesn't necessarily have to be a player. It could be like someone involved in the club, like, um, like you just said, like supporters or, uh, you know, someone in a, as a, an administrative level or a committee level or the person making the tea or the kid person or whatever it is. It's, uh, you know, it is, I know we're, we're talking in the context of, of players, but it, it kind of spreads to that as well. Absolutely. Yeah. That's it. And uh, I suppose uh, another thing as well, which is a, a nice touch uh, for the match, is that Roscommon Gales are doing an exhibition an, exib- an exhibition game for, for this game. Yeah, no, that's it. So um, for the loud, for the loud match, the other week we had um, under 10s and under 8s from Orin and League out doing an exhibition game. And they also did, uh, you know, a guard of honour clapping both teams on the pitch. Um, and again, it was a really lovely initiative. Um you know, the players are only delighted to be asked to do it. Um, so um, for this this week, you know, the match is in Ballyforn on Saturday at five o'clock, which is again an advantage for us to be at home. Um, but yeah, no, the Roscommon Gales under tens will do an exhibition match as well, and they'll be doing a guard of honour onto the pitch. Um, so that's fantastic. Just adds to the excitement, and it gets it gets more. Um, I suppose spectators down to the matches and brings up attendance for our matches, which is great because you've got your under tens coming to those games and you've got their parents coming to those games. And then you've got under tens that are then, you know, they obviously play Camogie and they love playing Camogie, but then, you know, they might not always see, um, you know, our, our senior or our junior team playing. So that's really exciting for them. And they, they get to have like an, an affinity or, um, you know, they get to recognise those players. Um, so, you know, and the, the role models that they are for uh, for younger players. Um, so it's always it's always fantastic to get um, that kind of turnout for, you know, under 10s and even younger under 8s. Um, you know, they feel really special when they get to do that. Um, so um, it's really great, who, like, you know, the, the parents and development officers and um, parents in different clubs, uh and trainers like when they organise that um, you know it really has um, it's a really nice touch again like the pride training sessions that's it and I suppose the, the girls that are involved in that um, in that exhibition game on, on the day as well they're, they'll be they're looking forward to it and it's exciting being part of the day and all that and they get to meet the players but uh, yeah. one day they one day they could be uh, they could be playing the they could be wearing the primrose and blue and uh, going out there representing Roscommon and they'll be the role models one day. Kind of, I suppose it'd be like, someone the same as yourself. Like if you you were playing when you were a child and if you were involved in that, and the next thing all of a sudden you were play, you were in that position and uh, you know it's, it's great to see you know the interest from from uh, kids you know and what to do and the, the excitement on their face. Um, at games and being involved in a day like that totally like you know they're getting a high five from a few different players when th- those players are coming onto the pitch and you know it would have been you know when I was younger we would have we would have had you know our medals presented to us at the end of the year by you know like Annette McGinney and she you know she's such a fantastic role model for us when we were we were playing and then I got to play with her in our league so um, I think it's about keeping that that cycle going Um and you know they might you never know you know there's you know there's there's 18 year olds or 17 year olds on the on the you know county panel and then you've got under 10s you know there is a high likelihood that they will be teammates as well down the line so um yeah no it's always it's always a really positive and exciting thing and um 
you know, it is it is really important that um, those younger players do see those teams, um, you know, playing and winning and not always winning, but, you know, playing good camogie. Like, they are role models that are there, but, you know, you have to... I suppose to to believe that you can be like that, you need to see it. You know, you have to see it mm. to believe it. Um, so, and I suppose yeah. it, it means a lot to the players that are playing on the day. You know, the the players that are playing against the uh, against Clare on the day. It means a lot to see for them to see the 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 up and coming players that will be the the next generation playing for us coming. Hundred percent. Yeah, it definitely gives definitely gives the players that are, you know, facing into, you know, definitely what is going to be a very challenging game on Saturday, um, you know, that gives them a boost. And regardless of if they if they know the children or not, you know, like they're, some players will know them because they're from their own club. But, um, you know, that that gives something back to the players that are going on to the pitch and it adds, adds excitement as well. But I, I, it certainly adds a bit of, um, you know, I'd like to think pride. And um, probably motivation as well. So um, yeah, it's fantastic that they're going for the exhibition game as well as the guard of honor. Yeah, and it's a great initiative, uh, you know, as well for the the kids to to be there on the day, and it'll inspire them as well. So um, we'd we'd like to wish um, the girls all the best on uh, on Sunday, and uh, hopefully they'll win. And of course, the best of luck to the to the little the to the girls that are playing in the exhibition match as well and uh, hopefully it'll be a great day hopefully it'll be a fine day as well and you, you won't, there'll, there'll be no rain and people won't get wet and it'll be it'll be a great day for and a great game and hopefully Roscommon will come out with a win absolutely yeah fingers <laughs> no problem listen thanks very much Maeve and we look forward to talking looking back on the game next week Brilliant. Thanks, my lady. No problem. Thanks very much. And that was Maeve, the PRO for the Roscommon Camogie Association. Hello, everyone. How are you doing? And you're very welcome to this week's uh, Hurling What's the Score with myself, Aidan Rafferty. And the show is, as always, kindly sponsored by uh, by uh, Kilbride Community Centre here and uh, Village Shop here in uh, Four Mile House. And, uh, of course, as always, to uh, take us through all things hurling, we have former Limerick Senior Hurler, Andrew O'Shaughnessy. Hello, Andrew. How are you? Are you well? I'm good evening. Good afternoon to you. And the same to yourself. And I suppose, uh, as a Limerick man, you're, you're going to be very pleased with the way things have been going the last couple of weeks. And we kick off, I suppose, as a lead up to the quarterfinals, and we'll go through uh, we'll go through the the rounds. I suppose uh, the monster final. It has to be said, what a cracking game! Um, now we'll we'll go on to we'll we'll talk about the Leinster final as well. But I suppose that this was a uh, this was setting the mark, wasn't it? Really on the day. Um, you know the Gaelic grounds a bacon hot day two great teams Clare have been really good this season It was this this was always going to be a tough game for both sides yeah it's always going to be a tough game and you always talk about the Munster Championship and everyone thinks back to the 90s and it was absolutely booing and the real point and that was when Limerick played Clare in 96 and the atmosphere of the crowd was like, that's great the hurling has improved since then but we don't have those atmospheres anymore so this one's fine, like the throwback that day, the atmosphere inside was absolutely superb. It was packed to the rafters, and they were disappointed to serve up a fantastic game and uh, top or controversial finishing finish the game, but it is what it was. That's it, and uh, look, it, it was, uh, it, it really was like there was never uh, throughout the game, there was never going to be a clear winner. It was always, you know, one minute, one minute Limerick were having their purple patch, the next minute, uh, Clare was having theirs. So, so the way the winner wasn't really obvious, even even the till the last puck of the game, or even the last minute or so, when it went into injury time, it wasn't clear who was going to win this game. Yeah, that's all. Yes, these 
Liam McLaren actually was down through the last number of years that both teams are going to so hard that's very hard to see a winner and then whoever does win then it's like geez, oh you could see that actually but that, that's more of a lie it's just a matter of chance and it'll be little breaks in the, in the game go towards the team and fortunately Liam McLaren be getting, getting those breaks and to say if you work hard enough you're going to get those breaks so that seems to be the case um, Taylor extremely unlucky at the end um, we see what three is given every day of the week but it was in normal play during the Tighten the match might have been given, but the fact of the last hook of the game, you, you invariably see those three gets, so they can be, be on field rightly agreed, I think, but they have to move on, unfortunately. That's it, and I suppose you, you know, and I suppose <laughs> yeah, you're going to be very careful how you, how you answer this one. Um, you know, a lot of people would have said it was very controversial. Uh, you know that 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 last incident just before, just as the whistle was being uh, being. Uh, been blown there that a lot of people did feel and I think it was mentioned on the Sunday game as well that it should have been a free to uh, to clear and maybe to take it into extra time obviously look the the the, the um, if that was a free and it, was, it went over the bar it would have been level and would have, would have went into extra time but what are your thoughts on that Andrew? Yeah same as everything so it could it should have been a free um, but look if you go to analyse the game I've watched it twice now since and just instances during the match with similar tactics if not more blatant Freeze for both sides that weren't given, and then all of a sudden people are saying, Oh, shouldn't they free because it's in the game to, to equalize it? That's, that's not the duty of the referee. The duty of the referee is to keep the game going and give seeds as he sees. Technically, it should have been a free, yeah. but then if you're being technical about it, 20 seconds earlier, technically the match should have been over. So, whichever whichever side of it, so I'm on the side, and obviously enough people are on the clear side, so they see that every point. It's valid, it was a free in my view, but technically the match possibly should have been over that stage. But that's been going down the weeds. Like, that's kind of taken away from the actual game. It was a fantastic game. and Every game has to be a winner or loser. And rightly so, it should probably have the extra time to decide winner or loser. But that, that's sport. And unfortunately, you lose more than you win. And it's, just, it's a learning curve for players. It's a, it's a steep one and a harsh one to take, but they have to learn from it and move on. And of course, like really, you know, for both sides, you know, a, a real tough kind of close game like that Will really stand to really stood and will will really stand to uh, both teams, uh, you know. Did this weekend and I know we've we've another round to uh, we've last weekend to discuss as well. We'll we'll discuss that as well. But uh, we we have to we have to move over then to uh, the Limerick at the um, Leicester final, and wow, what a final that was! I mean, like when you look through it. Galway were very good under Henry Shefflin, you know, uh, you wouldn't expect any more. But, um, you know, it was a fantastic game. Um, but heart, real heartbreak. And you, you kind of have to feel sorry for uh, for Galway. Two points up. But, again, the Cats the cats have nine lives and they got out of jail with what was a class goal towards the end. And, uh, look, that was enough. And I suppose that that's the cruel part of uh, Championship Harlan. And uh, you know it's, uh, but it was just as brilliant as the as, as the monster final, and that that's great to see two brilliant uh, monster or uh, two brilliant provincial finals. Yeah, no, it was a superb game. Arguably, probably was better in quality compared to the monster final. Uh, the only thing that was missing was the atmosphere in Crow Park. You can't create that atmosphere when you don't have a crowd. But that's not taken away from players up playing in Crow Park. No, it was a great game and awful, heartbreaking way. The thing with Kilkenny team, those fears. You can be on top of them all day long, no matter what, but they're, all, they're always in touching distance. And it's the most dangerous leading in GA two-point league, especially in two-point league, because as you see, you get a goal and there's no time to respond. The game is lost, and whether it was a mistake or a fantastic goal, Galway still didn't have a chance to respond because it's a two-point game, and Kenny Buckley came up with that goal. 
it's it's, it's disappointing and heartbreaking for Galway, but look, they'll take solace from that and they want it to affect them. No, they take an anti-barrier out. They want it to affect them. They know that they can go toe to toe and Agri should have beaten Kilkenny, so they'll be confident and they'll, they'll have forgotten about that already. They've learned from it and developed from it and they'll have forgotten about it. Like, and you know, looking at this Galway team, they do have quality players, they have a great manager, a very experienced guy in uh, Henry Shefflin managing them, but you, you know, maybe in some of the games, Kind of when you look at the games in their totality, kind of the thing that let them down to an extent was their kind of a few defensive frailties. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, this, like you're obviously going to look at that because if there's forward frailties, you, you can kind of crack over those cracks. But defensive frailties, normally the opposition will expose those, and no, no more so than you can even expose those. Even the ball and clear at the end. I know it's hectic. Like that ball was in the corner, should have been kicked over for a sideline. Maybe could have been. Kick up for 65. If you kick up for 65, they have to drop the ball in. You can set up, defend that, and easier defend it. 65 or sideline. A set piece as opposed to from open play. And then the ball being kicked out like so. I'm with, as I say, I'm with my under nines. And just holding, when all the ball is stuck into the cloud, I say, kick it to sideline, kick it to sideline, kick it to sideline. You should never, you can never kick the ball out to centre because that's just creating an avenue. People are coming down the centre all every minute of the match. So you just have to kick it to sideline and it's harder to score from the acute angle. So if that's the line, they can push him out towards the side and whoever it is, or they can see the ball come in. Down straight on the centre, you're, you're straight through, as you saw Kenny Buckley doing, just punch him in, he's through. So while it's unfortunate for Manion to go there, but again, he's, as I read it actually during the week, he said he's wise and he's not to learn from those individuals, and that's how he put it to show the signs of that, you see. That's it, and I suppose really both, both, uh, both goalkeepers as well, you know, that they... they I suppose mostly the puckouts were were kind of faultless. Uh, you, you know, as I suppose it was very tactical from the not 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 the puckouts themselves, but I suppose um, the outfield players w- with the kick with the the puckouts wh- where there were the positions, uh, whether the crowded midfield or whether they were played out the uh, out the wing or in, in the centre. It, it was very kind of tactical in that sense, wasn't it? Yeah, sure. Look, there's puckouts. You can be raving over people's puckouts. Shooters' puckouts are fantastic. Read that the game direction, but they all, it's all dependent on the movement of the players outfield. So if the cornerback half back, midfielders half forwards, cornerback don't create the move, can move space in their case. But literally, goalkeepers are just hitting space, and you want teammates to run that space and just create those, those opportunities to feed the ball in space. Because realistically, like, you should maybe hit the ball forty yards straight down the field into a man with one on him. But that's what's happening because. The players outside are so intelligent and they're so trained and well coached that they know this works and they have set, set up systems for puckouts and that, that's why you've seen the high success, success rate in your own, your own puckouts when your own puckouts and then adversely then trying to counteract the opposition's puckouts then is where the next trick is at and you see teams giving up puckouts for puckouts to the full back line because they, they can counter that if the long ball then you're contesting so that's it's all text and it's, it's great to watch and see it evolve that's it, and uh, I suppose looking at looking at um, last weekend's games now, uh, you know with the the um, the uh, both provincial championships so over now, and and concentrating on the All Ireland part of it, um, you, you know Tipperary Tipperary away to uh, Offaly, um, you know Offaly unlucky unlucky in in their final against Kilde or against. Uh, Carlo, a very a huge win. A thir- I think it was a thirty-two point win um, over Offaly. Great win. I suppose it was expected to, to to a huge extent. They were hotly tipped to win that game, but I suppose from a Tipperary point of view, with a win of that margin, of, you know, you like to kind of come out of a game where you say, right, we we need to work on this or we need to work on that, 
as well as kind of looking at the as part of prep, prep, prepping for the next game. But really, because it's so, it was such a hugely winning margin, they really didn't. They really had nothing to learn from that. Really, it was they, they destroyed. They destroyed awfully, and that that's no disrespect to awfully. Yeah, because it's just a rather unfortunate result. Um, I said I wouldn't be surprised if Offaly put up a performance. Yeah, but I, I would say that all of us aware that this could happen. Not to that extent, <coughs> mind you, but it all very could open up. They did. They won't run it from us. What to take away from that is they have no injuries from that match. And again, another part of players back for saying, right, we scored whatever we scored, fantastic. But we also have these all stars coming back in team. These all Ireland winners come back in team. So you might have scored two goals and three points. But your position is still up for grabs, so you have to keep walking, keep walking. And that's good. that's going to stand same, of course. Obviously, they did like a bit of a, a bit of a contest and a bit of competition against the, from the opposition. But you just say like you you take what you get, and it's great to be scoring that, that much as well. As that's enjoyable too. So that's what players want to win, win as, as much as possible. That's it, and of course the the other games. I think they they were the only games from from last weekend in the hurling. So I suppose we we'd be we're we're looking ahead now to this weekend. Um, you know, I was talking to James Jute there in 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 the earlier part where we talked uh, just general GA and getting his his views, and we were just talking there. You know, I suppose like like we said from the from uh, from the the Leinster final, of course. You know, defensively, Galway will have to tighten up. Um, I suppose Tipperary will want to. will be going into this game wanting to put things right after the after the Waterford game. Obviously, they haven't played since the Waterford game, so they'll be they'll be looking to get. Uh, and of course, they had such a convincing win over over Offaly, so they really want to be. This is a hugely an, an awful lot tougher of a of a challenge for them. And of course, at home to or away to uh, to Galway. In Salt Hill, it won't be an easy task. But uh, you know, this is kind of a, an interesting game. But uh, I suppose, you, you know, overall though, you kind of maybe go for go for Tipperary. Yes, he's it's, it's been very hard call between these two teams over the last five six years. There's literally been a puck ball between them, um, and invariably, whichever team won, we went down on one dollar. And so they're two high quality teams. Um, advantage probably to go with the fact it's on at home. But again, like if you're coming off a result like you're or Tipperary that weekend. Conference is going to be true rules so of just a job for being able to taper that confidence and just kind of contain to a certain extent and say you can do this. This is no disrespect, obviously, but if you heard like you heard last week against anyone, the score wouldn't be the same. So, yes, it's still that belief in them. Uh, Galway then, like, they're going to do a We should have won Leinster. It was in our grass. We just made one or two errors that we're still hurling well. We're still where we want to be. All the way now we're doing more cup and we're still in championship. Now focus is not on Lee McCarthy and they won't get or they won't get to Tipperary neither will tip up years always so it's an interesting game and I, I'm not too sure I'd probably go for Galway in the fact that that what last against Waterford and two results in Munster didn't really go to the Tipperary section too. so I think they might be a stronger opposition this time next year or the year after under Lee McCarthy but I don't think they'll they'll have the, the power of Galway this week that's it, because I suppose it depends on you know what's uh, the, the form goal we are in. I suppose you you know as in like you know the the last to Offaly um, or the last to uh, Kilkenny in the Leinster final, they want to put that right and they'll really put in uh, they'll really give this game a, a good rattle, or else you know they they could be maybe still psychologically damaged from uh, from that kind of two point defeat because you know it looked like they had it won. There was only a few seconds left. That's all it takes in Ireland to to win a game. Um, Kilkenny, Kilkenny proved that, um, so they, they might be still kind of hurting from that game. So I suppose, really, from a from a Galway point of view, it depends on which Galway, um, what what form they're in going in. Like, I mean, the, it could be a motivational factor, 
or it could be that they're just still hurting. I know they'd be fine and motivated, so they know that they should have beaten Tipper or Kilkenny was in their grasp. It was literally uh, human error on their behalf. No, it wasn't a skill set, it wasn't lack of fitness or lack of axe. It was just a little a moment of uncertainty, and you can't train for that. And that's 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 okay when when you lose and you're actually still in the championship because you can learn and you can develop from that. And that's exactly the way God be looking at Dan Henry talking to these players and getting saying that they're you as good if not better than Kilkenny. Kilkenny would always expect to be Tipperary. Why, why don't we expect to be them? And that's exactly the attitude to go with. I'm expecting a real humdinger now. I'm looking forward to it. That's it. And then uh, finally, then uh, Clare versus Dublin. Obviously, uh, you know, Clare, Clare, like I just said, they're a brilliant side. Dublin, they were okay, I suppose. They didn't have a bad championship, but, uh, you know, the fact that they're still in the championship, I suppose, is is a testament to them as well. Didn't have a bad league campaign either, but uh, you'd have to strongly tip Clare for this, given their given their form this season. You would have to strongly tip Clare, but still it wouldn't be strong to him myself, to be honest, Sam. Um, sure, of course, I believe every time they played Limerick and they had a good month of championship, but what happened after then after month of championship they just about got over Westwood with two late goals and then they went up and they had an awful game to Kenny so consistency is what Brian Owen will be hoping for and what he needs to get um, whether he gets this week I'm, I imagine he will but going to the semi-finals then I'm not too sure he can get another performance out of that group uh, like, against Dublin like they have a story history the amount of times in the championship they're not always clear like, so Dublin have a good record against against, the, against Clare so I wouldn't. I honestly wouldn't be quite if Dublin went. Yeah, I think I went actually. Uh, mm. That's it. Because I mean, look, you, you know, like it is, it is last chance saloon at this stage now. If you lose, you're out, and that's it. And I think uh, you know the teams have to prepare like that. It'd be like kind of the old days. <laughs> you know, you lose, you're out, and that's it. And that's the that's the cut and trust of championship hurling. That's exactly it. Championship hurling right now. So there's no second chance for anyone now. They have got their second chances and. Like I mean, yeah, because if, if you have the edge, chances are you're going to win it. If you don't have that edge, then and and the other team have it, then well, it's uh, <laughs> it's going to be a long game. But uh, listen, thanks very much for taking the time out to uh, hurl and wants to score with us, and we look forward to uh, looking back on those games next week. No problem. Thanks very much. And that was Andrew O'Shaughnessy, former Limerick senior hurling ta- senior hurler, talking about all things hurling. Hello and you're very welcome back to Friday Sport with myself, Aidan Rafferty and the show is always kindly sponsored by Best Drive here in Roscommon and uh, yes John, you've, uh, you've, uh, we got in a request there, you want to say hello to someone? Yeah, uh, happy birthday to Matty Quinn, he's 86 today Oh very good, uh, very happy birthday there Matty and uh, uh, you're, you're, you're a great man to reach the, the 86 landmark so well, well done and a big hello to everyone here from Ross FM and of course uh, I want to give a shout out to the two lads here that are doing work experience, we have uh, Brian or, uh, John Quinn and uh, Brian Colloran so we'd like to say hello to him and uh, Brian, Brian, I'm sure would like to say hello to his mum and his family as well. And it would be, it'd be, uh, it's great to have you on board, lads. And uh, so, um, yeah. So as as we know, it's a big weekend there for uh, Rusco- for uh, Roscommon. As uh, you know, we look back at um, Roscommon's defeat to uh, Kildare it was very, very unlucky. And of course, we'd be look. We're looking ahead to uh, Cork playing tomorrow. Uh, Roscommon playing Cork tomorrow. And to take us through all that, we have a uh, former Roscommon senior goalkeeper Ray Lannan. Hello, Ray. How are you? Are you well? Good evening. Happy birthday to Matty Quinn. 
there you go and uh, Ray Lannan just wished him a happy Christmas a happy birthday as well so yeah uh, a mighty man it's a it's, it's a great landmark to reach isn't it 87, 86 that means you were born in 1937 Aidan 1937 yeah he would have been round for the Roscommon All-Ireland in 43 and 44 and, and 46 and 47 Connell final so he might remember the excitement around that time as a young boy you know it's great like yeah. 86 fair play to him he might have been on the bench for Roscommon or he might have <laughs> <laughs> but you'll ever know. But uh, yeah, so um, yeah, so un- unfortunately, an unfortunate result for us uh, Um I suppose you know it was very warm on the pitch. It, it was very they were very unlucky. Um, I suppose that they got the point, and then um, then Kildare scored one three, and then Roscommon got another point, and it kind of looked like maybe Kildare were had uh, were on the front foot then for for most of the game but they came, kind of came back then in the second half and uh you, you know that the played well, Roscommon kind of played a bit better in the second half but it was just I suppose we were kind of expecting more of a performance. But you know, look, tiredness can, can happen too on a on a hot day as well. But uh, you know, it, it, it was very unlucky there. You know, a le- uh, level going into injury time, and then with the last kick of the game, I think it was a mark, and uh, the score from that. So it, it was just unlucky on the day, wasn't it? Yeah, people forgot to Kildare are an incredibly talented team with great resources. They've been very successful underage. We, we pointed out last week about the Kildare enigma, I would call them. Mm. Um, and we pointed to 2018 where they lost all their league matches, lost to Carlo in the, in the quarterfinal end for the first time in 53 years. And then they turned around and they beat Mayo. They defeated all Ireland champions and, uh, uh, finals from the year before. So, like, if you look at Kildare's team, Aidan, they've got youth, they've got strength, they've got power. And then they've sprung uh, Daniel Flynn and Kevin Feely from, from nowhere last week. And Kevin Feely made the difference. It's outstanding. But, like, you look at the players that have Alex Byrne, who has Roscommon relations. Um, you have uh, Derek Kerwin, Daniel Flynn, Kevin Flynn, uh, Feely, Shea Ryan. Really talented players all over. Jimmy Highland to come on the bench. Really ta- Mark Donnan. Hayden, Kildare could theoretically beat any team on their day. Yeah. But it depends on what Kildare shows up. And for me, the motivating factor for Kildare last week was they weren't going to lose to Davy Burke. And I think that motivation yeah. factor sprung them on. And on the, on the flip side of that, Roscommon had a substandard performance by their own standard, and really only for Kildare shooting themselves in the foot with two black cards allowed us back into the game. And then the Smith having one of the great games of any Roscommon footballer in any era, I think we would have been a long way behind Kildare, particularly after kicking 12 wide. Like, yeah. we played substandard, but we still could have won the game. But our lack of composure, Aidan, at certain stages cost us as well as our slow start. And those are the two aspects of our performances throughout the year that have been our Achilles heel. Slow start. Why is that? Is it because we overtrip but we, we do too good of a warm up or not good enough of a warm up? I don't know. But like if you look at the league matches against Mayo, against Kerry again last week, maybe Galway to an extent last week against Kildare, we gave them the initiative and we we're playing catch up and really we we're playing catch up for the game. And on the flip side, the other side they missed chances Aiden. and we miss, we've missed we're missing chances all year in the big games against mm. Galway uh, Dublin as well we could have Dublin beaten you know we missed two good chances to win that game and uh, again last week 12 wide all we needed was two of those Aiden, and we win the game and everybody says Roscommon were, 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 you know played Midland and won the game but look all's not lost Aiden. there's so much to look forward to tomorrow and I expect Roscommon will bounce back 
in the normal fashion tomorrow. I think we're coming. We'll bounce back tomorrow with with, with great gusto, Aidan, and uh, like it's do or die, isn't it? That's it. I mean, really, you know, going into that game as well against against Kildare, you know, people might some people might forget that you know Kildare had still had something to play for. I mean, like even a draw would have done us common, but Kildare really Kildare needed to win. Um, you know to go second so, so there, there was that thing and of course you know the scenario the scenario is now that uh, you know obviously Dublin qualifies straight for the the, the, the quarterfinals uh, Roscommon have a, a, a an away draw and uh, you know now Kildare Kildare have a well it's class as a home draw but that's also going to that's going to be in uh, O'Connor Park again uh, you know their their home game as well so I mean that 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 makes uh, that makes a huge thing like when you're playing for you know you know you're in the next round, but then, like, well, you're playing for home advantage, and that 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 can be a huge, um, even for a, a team like uh, Kildare. But I think you know Kildare are the type of team, no matter where you play them, they can get they can cause, like you said, that they, they have uh, they can cause any team uh, a, a lot of bother on the day. And I suppose really, you know, when you, when you see who they have on the sideline, uh, you know they they have three of uh, the three players that uh, were were involved with Kildare the year they they played uh, Galway in the 1998 uh, or the 1998 All Ireland final. So I mean they 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 were great. They would have been great problem solvers as players, and uh, you know they seem to be doing the oracle with, uh, with with Kildare as management as the management team as well. Yeah, it is. And you're talking about home advantage there. I pr- I would prefer to be going to Cork to play Cork tomorrow in Port Squeeze than play Monaghan in Hyde Park, which would have been the draw yeah. had we beaten Kildare. And there's a big thing made about home advantage for us, Common, but unfortunately we know and you know and our fans know that our record in Hyde Park is very very poor in big matches. Yeah. And I, I don't mean that, I'm not saying that to be negative or anything, it's just a statistic, it's a, it's a statistic that uh, we haven't beaten Galway in the Championship in Hyde Park since 1990, and since 1991 we've only beaten Mayo once, that was the 2001 final. We've also lost in Sligo in Championship matches, we've lost to Leitrim in Championship matches in Hyde Park twice, you know, 94 and 2000. Our record, if you... If you, if you if you drill down and, and you know it's a very bad record and we've had good records in Castlebar in recent years Salt Hill particularly as well um, Carrick and Shannon and now in Marcus Park we start to win a match so yeah. I'm delighted we're not playing in Hyde Park because whatever it is Ed, we just can't get over the line in Hyde Park in big big games and that's talk about say, the 94 Leitra match 96 against Mayo 2014 Mayo 98 um, you talk about 2000 against Leitrim We've had such a poor, and I, like I know, I, don't, I, don't, I think it's a good thing we're playing away. Yeah. The game tomorrow, Aidan, I think that Roscommon will bounce back. I think you have to. Obviously, we don't. We're out. Cork cannot be underestimated. But the great thing about last Sunday is people are sort of bigging up Cork now and making them favourites to an extent because they beat Mayo. And yeah. on paper, Aidan, they should be the favourites. They've beaten Mayo in the championship match in Limerick after Mayo leading by six points. Cork have a re- they're like Kildare, Aidan. You write them off at your peril. They can raise their game on certain occasions. And like Kildare last Sunday, Cork against Mayo, they drew this great performance. And can they replicate it tomorrow? Time will tell. They've got, look at the talent, that powder. They've uh, Brian Hurley there, Stephen Sherlock kicked 1 5 from the bench. Uh, Ian Maguire, they've really talented players. And for me, it's a 50 50 match. If Roscommon bring their A game to the table tomorrow, it's still a 50 50 game in my book because I think Cork are, are, are really good, have a decent side. You know, they've, they've won a championship game against all the odds. And Aidan, as you know, there's nothing like winning a championship game to mm. transform a season. Like Kildare should be transformed now after that win, and they should be able to give Monaghan a right good game tomorrow. And, and I wouldn't rule out Kildare beating Monaghan if they bring their A game. 
similarly with Cork, they're a very, very tricky opponent in Cork, Cork and Queen's. But I'd rather have them there than have them in Hyde Park because I think all the pressures on now on Cork, with Scotland in my book, are the underdogs because the season has moved on. Division 2 status, Division 1 status means nothing now, Aidan. It's Championship, High Summer, it's um, Battle, you know, Royale tomorrow. Four teams are going to go out of the Championship over the weekend, you know. So, mm. with Scotland, I think they're going to dust themselves down and probably, you know, recovered very well during the week. But psychologically, that's the big part of it. That for Scotland have to remind themselves just how good a team they are, just mm. how well they've played this season, just how many good performances there have been produced by, by, by all the players. So it's up to every man tomorrow to look at his own game, particularly the forwards about taking those scoring chances in, having that big composure and, and hitting the ball between the posts. Or the chances are there to take the goal, to go for it and get a good start. You know, a really good start in the game is so key for Scotland tomorrow. But it, hopefully, the performance level in, I think tomorrow, I think for Scotland will put in a decent performance and hopefully that'll be enough to beat Cork. But it's by no means an easy game at all. For me, it's 50-50. Mm. And uh, a lot of people will tip Cork uh, and Roscommon. I think people will see tomorrow how just what it, the character of this team. And Aidan, this Roscommon team is, is, is of tough, made of tough stuff. And I expect and I hope that tomorrow we will see that in, in the performance in Porky Cueve uh, in, tomorrow. That's it. I suppose two points that I'd like to raise as well, Martin, or um, Ray, is one, you know, this, this is a serious, this is a very good, um, core. I mean, when you look at Cork this season, and I know it's it's not a good idea to to compare league league to championship, but in fairness, they, Cork had a, a good league campaign. They were unlucky to lose to Dublin in uh, in the in that game. Uh, you know, they, they played, um, you know, they, they, they have been playing reasonably well this season, but but also, you know, it, it is one of those things uh, for us common that maybe you know, maybe, maybe group, maybe group games don't suit them. You know, you know, like when they're they're in a round robin situation, maybe they produce their best when it's straight knockout. Like you know, tomorrow, tomorrow against Cork in Parky Cueve, where it's do or die. Um, you know, full full duck or no dinner. They have to. Maybe that's maybe that's where us common produce their best football. I think, was, I think that's where everybody produced their best football in yeah. you know, because like we're coming let's face it we're true last week these games you know we spoke at the beginning of the Super 8 or the, the, this round robin yeah. before games to knock out four teams and, and you could we, we spoke at the beginning that the teams that would be knocked out would be Sligo Loud um, I'm trying to Clare and, and uh, who's the other team we, we, the other Division 3 team now or Division 2 team but anyway the four teams are gone that, that everybody expected West mm. So Clare, Westmead, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, Limerick, Loud, Sligo. Everybody expected those four teams to go out, Aidan, and, and they did. So, like, for me personally, Aidan, it would be better off. The system needs to be checked at the, begin- at the end of the season. And mm. I'm going to say this, that it should be two teams through and that's it. Like, if Roscommon had played Kildare last week in a do-or-die game, I think it'd be a different match. As you that's, said, it's a very yeah. good point you made. I think Roscommon would have been a different animal. Mm. We're already through. And, and, and when you're already through, Aidan, you've nothing to fight for. It, it takes on the, the, the mode of a challenge match it's hard to get up for a challenge match yeah. so Roscommon psychologically weren't at the level they can be and usually are at but tomorrow I expect tomorrow it's all on the line Aiden. I think mm. I, I can see a big response from Roscommon tomorrow Aiden. other years I wouldn't but this year I certainly do and the other thing as well Aiden, when, when, when I'm, I'm talking about systems and all that Kildare very strong physical team that their homework done on it and they managed all the, those high marks you know they were kicking forward marks kicking the ball in high winning them and our defence have no opportunity to defend the mark so Kildare got five scores from forward marks and that should be totally eliminated in my opinion 
cost to us last week. Fair play to Kildare. They did their homework. They know that we, you know, they felt that we had, that we could they could exploit us in the air, and they did because they got five mm. forward marks, five five points from it. But and America is what cost us the game as well. Uh, with the last kick of the game, so yeah. Fair, like Kevin Feely catches the ball, it's great catch. But like, yeah. I wouldn't like to be playing the game now. If somebody catches the ball, and you can't touch the man. You know what yeah. I mean? If, and, you know, if you're standing outside the forty-five, five yards outside it, and you kick a fourteen-yard pass inside the forty-five to a man on his chest, he gets a free kick. It just beggars mm. belief. It totally runs against the grain of sportsmanship and fair play. And, you know what I mean? The, yeah. Who, who'd want to be? Who'd want to be a full back or who'd want to be playing in the full back line or the or the half back line when you know you can't even touch it? You can't even touch the four because you, you'll give away a mark like it's. <laughs> absolutely, it's, it's a free hit. It's, it's yeah. like it, and, and the player hasn't even fouled the guy. You know what yeah. I mean? It's, it's, it's ludicrous. Whoever made up that, in my opinion, they were forwards because it suits the forwards down to the ground. You know what mm. I mean? And it, it, it's not fair. It, as I said, it runs against the whole essence of what sports is about. Is about giving a man or a woman a fair opportunity to win the ball back. You know mm. what I mean? And that that was last week. But hopefully, in tomorrow, uh, system. I think you know all those round robin games. Like ultimately, we ended up where everybody expected to end up. Um, with with the teams gone through that we expected to go through, the teams out that we expected to go out. And to, but tomorrow, let's forget about all of that. We're going to need to focus um, on, on on other focus. Here's me talking about as a supporter, but I'm talking about as a pundit. Aiden. The team tomorrow will be way up for this game. They'll be very, very focused. And if they get a good start and they take their chances a little bit better than we did last day and the team performs, if every man you know, in defence can t- mark tightly, contest every ball that comes in, forward win their own possession, lay it off, get it to the shooters, you know, the Kieran Murphys, the, you know, into Smith, and we get big games from our leaders Aidan tomorrow. That's what's needed. Like, you're into Smith. What a player he's been this season. Fantastic. But hopefully, Aidan, we put in a performance where everybody executes their skills at a very high level at a high tempo and intensity and bring that battle to court tomorrow in their own backyard where they'll be thinking now, Aidan, that beating Mayo, they should be able to be... They, they, they traditionally, Aidan, Cork will think, oh, it's Roscommon, who were they? And that's a good place mm. for us to be, especially after Cork beating Mayo. I think they'll be very confident. And for me, Roscommon are the underdogs in this game. And that, suits us. Yeah. and that suits us. Yeah, there's no pressure mm. tomorrow because... No, that's the way I see it, you know. That's it. And uh, so, listen, thanks very much for taking the time out to do uh, local GA with us. We look forward to uh, looking back on what hopefully will be a, a Roscommon victory next week. Hopefully, Aidan. All the very best. No problem. Thanks very much. And uh, that was Ray Lennon, former Roscommon goalkeeper, and myself talking about looking looking back at last week's game and looking ahead to the game tomorrow. And uh, so thanks very much there, Ray. And uh, uh, just want to say a big shout, a big hello there to uh, John Quinn's family there, Niall, uh, a good friend of mine, and uh, his family as well. And uh, we hope you enjoyed the show, and I hope everyone enjoyed the show. And uh, anyone that's going down to Cork, uh, you know, drive safely or... Uh, have a safe journey, and uh, hopefully we'll be we'll be reflecting on a, on a good Roscommon victory tomorrow. So thanks very much for tuning in, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. That's all from Ross FM ninety four point six for today. We'll be back on air Monday morning at nine a.m. Please see our website rossfm.ie for more information. Ross FM 94.6, your local community radio station in Roscommon.